Now back to the Dana Barrett Show here on WGST. Tomorrow, July 26th, is the deadline for reunification of the separated families at our southern border. This is the, I think, third in a series of deadlines. This one is supposed to be where all of the kids uh, now ages 5 to 17 are reunited with their parents. And it's not looking like that's going to happen. So the question is, where are we now? What happens by tomorrow? And what happens when they don't make the deadline? I by no stretch of the imagination, am an expert on this. So we've got somebody on the phone who knows this stuff a lot better than me. Jean Guerrero is joining us. She is a, a reporter for KPBS in San Diego, also, also the author of Crux, a cross-border memoir. Jean, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. Listen, thanks. Uh, the book, obviously, just based on the title, the fact that it's a memoir means you have some personal experience going uh, across the border. Just give me a little bit of your background so people kind of understand your perspective. I do. So I, I'm the immigration reporter for KPBS, um, but these are issues that are very personal for, for me as well because my, my family immigrated to the United States, and, and the book really, really explores that, um, in particular, my, my relationship with my father, who for many years, I, I didn't know where he was. Um, he, he was just this incredible mystery to me. Um, but the reason this relates to the to the family separations, even though my experience is, is not the same as these children who are being torn from their parents um, by any stretch of the imagination, I, I do know personally what, what it means to be both physically and mentally removed from a parent and, and to not know where a parent is. And I know the trauma that is associated with that and how that trauma can last a lifetime. So I, I've been looking into how this separation has affected the children because, of course, even once they're reunified, the, the struggle isn't over for the families at all. Um, they, have to, they have to deal with, these, with the impact of, 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 on the children of, of not having known for, for so much time where their parents were. Yeah, you make a really good point, Jean. And uh, I feel like that's got to be... You know, a different case, not that it's any easier at any age, but I feel like, you know, the the lasting repercussions are probably different if you're five than if you're 16 or 17. Um, right, exactly. Be- because at least at 16 or 17, you, you can sort of understand what's happening. When you're three and four and five, all you know is, you know, mom and dad are not there, and I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again. And so then even when exactly. they are back in your life, right, you don't know when they're going to disappear again. Exactly. You know, I, I've been following the case of, of one one-year-old boy who was taken from his father and, and sent to one of the international educational services shelters, which was actually um, closed due to violations. Apparently, um, Reveal with the Center of Investigative Reporting got a hold of some documents showing that they had um, more than a thousand of violations ranging from inappropriate sexual contact uh, between staff and children to um, a harsh punishment, and this little boy was was kept there for for three months um, after he was separated from his father. And and thankfully, they were they were reunited um, just a, a couple of weeks ago. But he, ever since he he was in that shelter, he's been um, he's been he's been very fearful. His mother tells me that he, whenever she picks up a magazine, he 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 starts crying. He, he crawls into corners and and just stares, and, and that he just seems very different um, and, and that she doesn't know what to do with, with this change in him because the government isn't providing any sort of support. The ACLU has been insisting that the government provide some mental health services for these families, um, but we don't yet know 
if that's going to happen. That's so sad. Uh, Jean Guerrero hanging out with us on the phone right now. We're talking about uh, the upcoming deadline tomorrow to reunify families at the border that were, of course, torn apart by our current administration. So, Jean, are they going to make this deadline? Uh, all the reports are saying no. And if they don't make it, then what happens? Is there any repercussion? So, as, so currently, the, the repercussion that the judge has has said is, is basically the government has an obligation to ex- to provide an explanation for why any families that were not reunified by the deadline were not reunified, um, and, and it looks like not. I, mean, I was in the hearing um, in San Diego in federal court yesterday, and and the judge said that it looked like the government was going to meet the deadline, which is tomorrow, as as far when it comes to families that have been deemed eligible for reunification, which is a very limited category. Um, he, he, he did praise the government in that regard, the fact that more than 1,000 families have been reunified of the 1,600 that have been deemed eligible for reunification. He called that remarkable. Um, but at the same time, there's there's so many people who are unaccounted for, and he said that that, that aspect of this is, is deeply troubling um, and, and very unpleasant. More than uh, 900 people uh, have been deemed ineligible for reunification, and there are questions as, as to as to why. Um, I mean, the government says that it, the explanations range from criminal records to um, other red flags, but it's really not clear why so many families are being deemed ineligible for reunification. Um, 463 adults appear to have been removed from the United States. Um, and so that is also extremely concerning to the judge because to reunify those parents with the children is, is going to be extremely complicated. They were removed from the United States without without their children. Um, so, so what the ACLU had asked for is for the government to, if they don't meet the deadlines, they need to explain why. And then they also need to provide lists. Uh, which they're expected to provide by noon today, lists of all of the people who have been removed um, from the United States, um, lists of all of the people who are facing orders of deportation. And the reason they want these lists is because the ACLU wants to be able to, first of all, reunify these families, um, and and second of all, provide counsel to them. Um, The ones who are facing deportation might, um, might end up deported without their children, and so they need they need access to counsel. Um, so it's really it's really not looking good for for a lot of these families. Yeah, it's really horrible. Jean Guerrero on the phone with us right now. She is the immigration reporter for KPBS out of San Diego, uh, also the author of Crux, a cross-border memoir. And we're talking about this deadline tomorrow. And, you know, Jean, before I let you go, I've got to ask you about, uh, in particular, the 463, I think, that you mentioned that have yeah. already been deported. Because that, uh, of all of the different things, is one of the most troubling to me. It's yeah. it's it's sort of what kind of excuse is that? Well, we we just sent them away. We took their kids away from them and sent them back. I don't even understand how they can excuse that. Right. I mean, the, the judge called out the lack of communication between agencies, which have been a, a huge part of the problem this this whole time. The, the agency that's in charge of the children is not used. It does not have. It doesn't have uh, policies in place for commu- for communication with. The agency that takes care of the adults, and so there was just a lot of miscommunication. That's how all of these families ended up being, how all of these parents ended up being removed without their children. And currently, um, a lot of nonprofits, um, Women's Refugee Commission, International Social Services, 
several nonprofits are, are working in in Guatemala and Honduras trying to locate these parents, and it's an inc- incredibly complicated task because, first of all, they don't have the list of all of these people. Secondly, a lot of them are from very rural, remote areas uh, of the, of their home countries. Right. Some didn't return home because they feared returning home, so who knows where they are. Right. And then others are making their way back to the United States through Mexico because they want their children back. And so they're just pretty much anywhere right now, and, and they're trying to, they're trying to figure, figure this out. And, and the government hasn't provided a list, which is the place that, that they need to start. Yeah, it's really, all of this is really, really shocking. And, uh, you know, I think it's sort of up to us at the very least, uh, and, and thank you for the work you're doing, to try to at least keep it, uh, in the forefront of people's minds so we don't just accept this as normal behavior in this country and allow it to continue because, well, we're paying attention to something else. Right. I, I think that, that people have this sense that the government is is uh, doing its best to to comply, and, and that perhaps that's the case. I don't want to speculate. But but the fact is that, that they haven't been meeting these deadlines. Um, they said that for the group under age five that, that they met the deadline, but but that they only met the deadline for the for the children that were deemed eligible for reunification and and like i said there are questions as to why certain children and parents were deemed ineligible for reunification so right. more just under half of the children under age 5 still aren't with their parents and i think we need to remember that yeah it's 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 all very bizarre i feel like one of the other things i heard too uh time and time again was that parents were asked if they wanted their kids back. And I just feel like what was really happening in those communications? Did they really understand what they were being offered uh, or asked, or did they just agree because they didn't understand uh, and then they were deported without their kids? Right. I mean, a lot of these people are, they speak indigenous languages. Some of them don't even speak Spanish. So it's not clear at all, at all, whether they were able to make an informed decision. And that's why the ACLU asked, the judge to order a temporary halting of, of deportations, uh, which the judge granted. There's, there's a temporary stay on, on deportations because um, some, some families are being asked to sign a form where they can decide to either be removed from the country with their child or without their child. Um, and, and, and it's it's not clear why why um, the parents would, would sign to, to leave without their child. I mean, some of them want to leave their child behind because they want their child to be safe, right. but they, they don't have all of the information, and the ACLU wants to make sure that they have have all of that information, yeah. and it's not clear. Right. right. Very complicated, obviously. We'll be watching this uh, story tomorrow. Jean, thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise with us again. That was Jean Guerrero. Uh, she is an immigration reporter uh, from KPBS in San Diego, uh, obviously close to the border over there. Also the author of Crux, a cross-border memoir uh, available everywhere. Books are sold, of course. Um, we're going to talk about that, obviously, tomorrow. We've got more for you today, though. Uh, some Women on Wednesday stories coming up next. We'll be back. More Dana Barrett show coming up on Talk Radio 640 WGST.